And good morning. I want to bring your attention, please, to Psalms number 124. Psalms number 124. And I want to bring a message here this morning and uh, to pray our God's blessing upon it. This is one of my last few days here in Nigeria. And as I leave instruction uh, for men and women after I go, there is absolutely nothing I can give you better than the gospel and the Holy Spirit's power. Um, that's what I have come to give you here in Nigeria. And that's what I give everywhere I go by the grace of God as I'm allowed and enabled uh, to preach in the power of his spirit as open doors and opportunities come. So Psalms number 124, I want to look at the whole psalm. It's only eight verses. I will really emphasize and concentrate on verse number seven, from which we take our title, Our Soul Has Escaped. Our soul has escaped. That's a wonderful thing about the grace of a sovereign God. And so let's start it at verse number one, and we'll get the condition um, our souls were in. And he says, if it had not been the Lord, if it had not been the Lord, that's something that we need to get just off off the bat, off the top, is, is we really must come to understand the, the grace of God, the sovereignty of God in our salvation, and the fact that he did everything. If you and I, if, if we have a gospel that where God did 99%, but then I did this percent here myself. That's not the gospel of God. It will never make you and I love God. It will never make us to give him his glory, his due. Uh, it's the captivity. It's the bondage of sin is just so great. And if you um, or I, if we don't care about our sin, then we don't feel this captivity and bondage. But once we become aware of God and he starts to reveal himself unto us in his holiness, in his power, his sovereignty, his ability to, to damn us, then we get the fear and trembling over our sins and we want to get out of them. But as you and I have learned by experience, is we don't know the way until he teaches us. And we don't have the strength and the power. And so he says in the beginning, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, he took our side, not the devil's side. Because of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, he set the captive free. He pays for our sin at the cross so he can 
deliver us from sin and from evil. And the gospel is a loving God saving a sinner from his sinfulness. It's a gospel of God coming to us and saving us as we are in our sin, in our filthiness, because he loves us and the great redemption that's in Christ Jesus, the price he paid at the cross is sufficient for God to save and to deliver the sinner. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, as he repeats it again in verse number two, it's for emphasis. When men had rose up against us. Now, if you see something here that's that's in the background, I'm I'm on the road, I'm is I'm in Kogi State. But this sinfulness, it is represented by these people. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. And we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And the Old Testament enemies of the people in the land of Canaan, they represent spiritual enemies that me and you have now. And our enemies are ourselves. I talked about this last night at the seminar. Our pride, our self-righteousness, our serving ourselves, and our own self-strength, our ability so we think to do the will of God is an enemy unto our souls. But I have another enemy. It's it's my filthiness. It's my corruption. It's our sin. It's, it's our love of this world. And I had been struggling with the love of this world. Um, just a couple weeks ago, it probably started or maybe a little bit longer. And it was a temptation to battle for my soul's peace and fidelity unto God. Am I going to love God with my heart or with my mouth? Am I going to be about the the business of the gospel only or am I going to be about myself? And so we have this battle and we have this temptation and we have this struggle with sin. And if you or I don't struggle with sin, it's only because it's taken us captive. It's it's only because it holds us bound. Now, God gives us deliverance and he gives us seasons as to where we don't struggle as much as others. But this psalm is talking about sin and temptation and vileness and pride and the love of man and the love of the world and the love of self being all the way up almost over my neck and head. It's going to kill me. It's going to consume me if God doesn't put it down. And that's the struggle with sin. It's not something you and I can control. It's not something that we can do ourselves. We can't live the Christian life with joy ourselves. It's we can't put joy into our hearts. It's the Holy Ghost. And we can't even figure out how to get delivered from our sin until God teaches us. 
and we struggle over and over and we try and we try and we try to find satisfaction in this world and it burns us and it would have swallowed us whole except God intervened. This is an intervening God. Look what it says in verse number three. Then they would have swallowed us alive. I wasn't strong enough. I was helpless. And we have so much self-confidence in ourselves. Uh, it's We are taught this in American society that we can do anything, especially in California. And, and, and even here in Nigeria, I can see the boasting and the pride is the girls or even the men will post their pictures online and just brag and boast and brag about themselves. And that's uncomely. That's that's unseemly. That is proud flesh. But it's in our nature to be proud and to resist God and to rely upon ourselves and sin. Sin makes ourselves see that he's a master, that I can't contain. I can play football in the flesh. I can make money in the flesh. You don't need money to play sports. I, I mean, you don't need God to play sports and to make money. There's all kinds of religious people all over this world who don't know God, who have all kinds of things in this world, but they can't serve God. They don't serve God. The most precious thing in this world to serve God and have a loving heart, the pureness of his joy, power over sins and forgiveness in the conscience. The most precious things in this world, you and I cannot get them ourselves. They are not by the strength of man. It is not our muscle. It is not man stretching out his hand to to take hold of the tree. He banished us out of the garden and we cannot eat of the of the tree of life from our own hand, our own strength. He's got to give it to us by grace in Christ Jesus. It's the free gift of God. It's the gift of God. He gives it to whomever, whenever he pleases. He's God in control and sin becoming a master makes us see that God is in control and he's the, he's the only one that can help me and you. He's the, the only one. Then they would have swallowed us alive, verse 3, when their wrath, their enmity was kindled against us. They were out to get us. My sins were out to get me and and you and your sins were out to get you. Verse number four, <clears throat> then the waters would have overwhelmed us. It was too much. <laughs> I tried hard. <laughs> as I have as much willpower as most any other man, I tried hard to get rid of my sin. That's what makes the bondage felt. That's what makes you and I understand the scriptures. We tried hard to get rid of our sin. We tried hard to stop sinning. We tried hard to be good enough. We tried hard to get the stain remover, but we couldn't, 
We couldn't cleanse ourselves. We couldn't do God's will ourselves. We were helpless. And God makes us feel this way so we can praise him after he's helped us so that we can worship him, so that we can preach the gospel, so that we can love him and love other people because he delivered us in compassion. He did it. If the waters would have overwhelmed us, the stream, it would have gone over our soul. It was higher than my head. I couldn't keep up. I, I saw it. Isn't it this morning? It's the image. It was actually was a it was a a video and it was an otter that was in the ocean. And it was a small boat. It, it swam to for safety because a killer whale was chasing it. And killer whales, if you know about them, they play as to with their prey. They are highly intelligent, as I think that the killer whale is supposed to be the most intelligent creature in the oceans, it is smarter, and the dolphins, and it will play with its 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 prey. It will slap it around as to with its tail, back and forth. If they often will be hunting in packs. Now this was only a a a a a a, a single whale, but they'll flap it around as to with their tail. They'll they will actually take it. I'm in their mouth. And hurl it and not even kill it yet. And then go kill it later and eat it. And so this whale, it was playing with this otter. It was taking its time before it consumed it. But the otter saw a boat swim unto the boat and climbed in the boat and refused to get out until the whale had gone and the boat had actually motored away. That's kind of how it feels to escape. But our danger was worse than that. Verse number five, then the swollen waters had gone over our soul. Verse number six, blessed be the Lord. In this deliverance from sin, that's even greater than that otter from that whale, because me and you were in bondage and captivity and couldn't get, there was no escape. But who has not given us as prey to their teeth? He could have. He could have let our sins just grab a hold of us and bring us down. If he could have let our sins play with us, he could have let, if he could have had Satan toss us to and fro as a, as a ball amongst all the demons, I could have become a captive of sins, of my sins, and actually gone out of center. I didn't have to come back except for his covenant love. It wasn't anything in us that deserved it. 
It wasn't because our crying out was good enough. I didn't even know how to cry out. I didn't have, I, I, I didn't have anything but unbelief. I didn't understand how to get back home. If I had known, I would have gotten home sooner. I didn't know. I was ignorant and I was blind. As a preacher of the gospel, now I look back. And before I heard the gospel, I was a false prophet. I preached a false gospel. I didn't know it. And then after God recovered me and saved me, as I look back again, after, after I've been taken into Babylon and the bondage of captivity and, 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 and the, and the, uh, chastisement of my sins, the salvation from that, as he has promised, is even a greater experience than the first salvation when we came unto Christ. Uh, is because it is so fresh. It is so near. And that bondage of corruption was for 70 years. The people spent... 430 years in Egypt, but it took them time before they began to moan and groan and to cry out. And they didn't know freedom after a while. But after you go into Babylon and you've known the freedom and the joy, oh, to be stained with corruption in your mind and chaste and to be far off from God. Look what it says here in verse number seven. And this is the good news. And I want to preach it as such. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare. Now I told you that illustration earlier of, of, of the sea otter. He escaped. But he swam his way into safety. Is I didn't swim. I was in bondage. I was encaged. Is I was in irons. Somebody had to come set me free. And you too. And he didn't have to. Except for his own grace and mercy. Which he pre-planned. And to be set free from this bondage of captivity. Ah, when you and I look back and we see what kind of people we were, is we see what we came out of and we see what, what me and you were doing and we see how he brought us out and we see the power over sins now and we see... A forgiveness is we look back on that shame and bondage and it brings us to tears. Part of the reason I cry so much is he broke my heart with the forgiveness of my sins, his love and his compassion and power over sins and the joy that is inexplicable for a sinner to get that from God. As to while he's in his sins, in the bondage of captivity, and God to come by, him to pass by, and set the sinner free instead of condemning him. Because we've got to understand, I was in this pit, and I was in this cage, because it was my fault, and it was your fault. It was our 
fault that we were in sin and we deserved to go to hell in damnation. And he passed by and he showed us mercy and he set the captive free. He broke the bonds asunder. He broke our chains. <laughs> That's a powerful and a wonderful and a gracious God. It says in Psalms 107, verse number 16, for he has broken the gates of bronze. That's a pretty strong gate. Oh, the gate of sin is a strong gate. The gate of Satan is a strong gate. And cut the bars of iron in two. He has done that and he set our souls free. Let me also read in verse number 10 and 11 of Psalms 107. Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. Have you ever been there? You ever felt that? They fell down and there was none to help. There was nobody else and I couldn't help myself. Then they cried out unto the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness to shadow of death. Me personally, this is how it happened unto me. And I'll give a little bit of a, a, I will give a little bit of a testimony is to help you. But on Saturday, I felt the conviction on my sins. This was in uh, 2016. On Saturday, I felt the conviction of my sins. If we don't have that conviction of sins, is we're never going to get out of our sin. The devil has taken us captive in full. I know a lot of people who hear the gospel and they have they have no captivity in their conscience. I spoke with someone pretty recently and he said things that shocked me. So full of superstition. And he's heard me preach this blessed gospel. And the superstition and the ignorance of man. You and I would be in that condition if God had not delivered us by giving us the conviction of sin, the captivity, the bondage, the chains had to be felt. Or I'd never cry out to him. I'd never look to him. I had to feel the conviction of sins, my sins, that I was wrong in the sight of God. And I had to change my behavior. And the next day was Sunday I got there early uh, before church and I'm in my Bible and I'm reading and I realize I got to give my heart unto Jesus. 
I got to go his way. I can't go back into this world. I can't risk it. I can't roll the dice with my eternal soul. God might just let me go. If I step in the water of sin, I might start swimming and I might never make it back home because salvation is the gift of God. Faith and repentance are the gift of God. And how do we know? If you go out there and sin and sin and sin and say, I'll come back later. How do you know God's going to bring you back later? How do we know if we're going to want to cry out? So many have have stepped off into the plate of sin and they've eaten the whole thing and they wiped their mouth and their conviction is gone. I heard the story uh, pretty recently of a man who used to be into the church and he woke up one day and he said the fear was gone. The fear of God was gone and he only attends church now to sleep with other girls who have no fear of God. And he, he was having problems. His heart was cold always. He never actually knew God but he had some kind of convictions that restrained his character. But now that's gone. But God, he convicts us of sin and he brings us to a place of consecration, a place of repentance and faith. And then on the third day, he showed me at the blood this was on the hey number two. It was my consecration that the blood of Christ is repentance came on Sunday. I turned to him and on Monday I consecrated myself. I believe the blood and the spirit were able to make me able to, to obey him. But here's what the scripture says in Acts 2, Acts 2, Acts 2, verse number 38. And I might be getting a bit ahead of myself, but this is still good. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized. That's to confess your sins have been forgiven and you got a new life in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's what I did on that Monday. That's what I did. I believe the blood of Jesus was enough to take care of and pay for all of my sin. As you see, now the shame it had set in. And I thought myself a believer, and I truly was. But I felt like God was so disappointed with me that he had had enough of me and my failures. That... Uh, it's like when King David said unto Absalom, he can come back into his house, but don't let him see my face. I felt like, and, and this may be as to how you feel or have felt, uh, that God was just so disappointed with us. He's, he's ashamed of us. He has his back turned. He will feed us. He'll protect us. He'll provide, but his heart isn't in it, and he doesn't want to see our face, and that me and you are not worthy of that face-to-face -face communion. But that's what happened unto me on Tuesday. 
The third day after I prayed, show me your glory. On that Saturday in my conviction of sin, I hope, I hope I'm being clear with you. Something came into my heart and mind. What you need, Heishimu, is to see the glory of God. And the first thing I thought was, I'm unworthy of that. I'm the last person that is, I, that, I'm the last person that is going to be worthy of that. But something said, pray it anyway. And with a chuckle and a half-hearted, half of a second prayer, I said, show me your glory. And he did by Tuesday. He had shown me his glory. He will show us his glory. If we come to him the right way, us the right way is repentance. I'll do whatever you say. Just make me able. Just tell me I'll do it. I'll obey you. I turn from myself unto you. Uh, people say erroneously Calvinists who believe this precious gospel that repentance isn't needed and all that we need is faith. That's not true. It's an error that's often made by good men, but it's not true. The other side of repentance is faith. If you had a coin and you flipped it over, the other side of repentance is faith. They are two sides of the same coin. They are the same thing in operation in the soul. If I'm repenting, if I'm turning from something, then I must be turning unto God. If there's no turning unto God through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, there's no repentance. And the Lord Jesus said, repentance and forgiveness must be preached. And Peter said, repent. That's one. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Confess your sins have been forgiven by God. That the blood is enough to take away your sin. The blood, <laughs> oh, the blood made a payment that reconciles God to the sinner. The blood makes God able to deal face to face with the sinner, with the transgressor in his sinfulness and pull him out. And we need to get this about the love of God. He helps us on the way out of our mess. He cleans us up. He straightens us up. He makes us able to obey him in the gospel. He gives us joy that this world can never imagine. There are joys that have been experienced oh, by our souls that are so big, they're unimaginable when me and you were in the bondage and captivity of sin. We never knew God was so good. But his Holy Spirit comes every time unto the person that repents, that believes. That's what this, that's what this baptism is saying. I got the forgiveness of sins no matter how I feel and no matter how degraded the blood of Christ is enough he did enough to
to satisfy God. He died. He paid for sins. That's why God forgives. And I got it. I believe it. Even though I'm a sinner, these people were the very murderers of the Son of God just a few days earlier. And they mocked the apostles and the early saints saying, huh, these people are filled with some new wine. They were speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages that were known unto them from their birth as their birth tongue, their birth language, a real miracle. They had mocked God. They had murdered Jesus. And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There it is. The blessed promise of God. And it happens over and over. It happens on a daily basis with us who repent and believe the gospel. Who say with fear and trembling, I'm not going any other way, Lord. I'm here for you to use me and for you to do with us as you see fit. Fit. We are yours. We're going in your direction. Forgive us and help us to obey. And he'll send that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit gives the joy. And he's the comforter. He's, he's the helper in our time of need. He fills us with joy in our spirit. He fills us with peace. He fills us with repentance and power over sin. He fills us with faith. But the joys are never known until we trust God. Until we believe in him. And he gives us his joy over and over and I thought at the beginning of my escape from captivity that he might not give this joy uh, continually. And I'd have to go back to where I was. And I dreaded that with many tears. But he showed me in the word. I'll just... Bring you one is the book of Luke 11. There's another one in Ephesians 5 that I'm to be filled with the Spirit. And if I'm to be filled, then he's got to do it. If he commands it, then if he instructs me, I have to be filled, then he he's going to do it. If it's a command, then there is a promise of him being able to make us obey his command and be filled with power. If I'm to be filled with the with the joy and the hope of the Holy Spirit, if he commands us to rejoice always, he's got to give the power. Look up unto him. Don't look into yourself. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't try to muster it up. Don't fake it. Look up unto him. Say, fill me with power every day. And he says in Luke 11, in verse number 13, this is one of the greatest promises in the word of God. If you then being evil, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. If you and I know how to do that, 
how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? He's making the promise plain to those who ask him, everyone. <laughs> and, and, and at the end of, of this, it's in the New King James, is an exclamation mark. Uh, in the Greek, there is no punctuation. I mean, the Greek manuscripts, but I'm glad that it's an exclamation mark here as the Holy Spirit is teaching us. He will come over and over and again and again. And that's what we need. The Holy Spirit's power. We don't need the bondage of religion. We don't need a bunch of rules. And we don't need to love the world and forsake our responsibilities. We need the Holy Spirit to set the captives free. We need freedom. Hear me. Freedom. We need freedom. Let that shout go out to all the earth. We need we need to be free inside our souls and break the bondage of captivity to sins by the forgiveness and goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us with joy, to thrill our souls so that we serve him from the heart as the highest joy that we could ever have on earth, which is to serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need more than earth itself. That's what we need more than life itself, than breath itself, than anything itself in this world. The power of the Holy Spirit to break our bondage. And then we'll live the Christian life after we are face to face with God. Let's bring God back in the face to face contact by the precious blood of Christ. And then we'll live the Christian life with joy. And then me and you shall become missionaries. And then we'll serve God with joy in our hearts. And then we'll give our life unto the gospel. And then me and you will love others instead of, instead of looking down upon them with contempt. You and I will have compassion and we'll help them up. And that's the whole difference. My soul has escaped from captivity. I was in bondage, but he brought me out. And as we remember that, and as we realize that day by day with fresh power, as we realize and experience the grace of God, we don't look down at people with contempt. Oh, we go try to hell. I hate the false religion that's preached in Nigeria. I hate the prosperity gospel. I hate the fake miracles. I hate the abuse of old women and taking their money as they starve and die without their medication. I hate it and despise it with a passion. I'll preach against it anywhere I go, but that makes me come here and spend my life to serve them in the gospel. It doesn't make me hate 
with contempt. Oh, I thank God I ain't like him. <laughs> I was worse. I was worse. In my own eyes, in my own mind, I was worse because I knew the grace of God and sinned against it. And I was in rebellion and I was in bondage and I was broken by his love. His forgiveness made me turn my life around with power. His forgiveness is what makes us love God. His forgiveness is what makes us to join God. His forgiveness is what makes us to serve others in the power of the Holy Spirit. As, as I look upon on the homosexuals in San Francisco, I hate what they do. But I love them. And if I don't, I need to repent of my sin because who am I to hate anybody on earth, to despise any human on earth, in any prison, in any jail, any racist, any fornicator, any adulterer, any child molester, I understand you. Let's get unto the grace of God and get help for our time of need and change our life and live for his glory. That's what it makes us do, love people. That's what God wants. He doesn't want self-righteous pride, hating others and looking down at others and pointing fingers at others and hating the sins of others. He doesn't want that. He wants us to love them because Jesus Christ has loved our soul from the pit of corruption and he broke our captivity. He broke our bonds asunder. He set our chains free. He did it himself, and we did nothing but sin and stink until he saved us. The pride and the haughtiness of man has to be destroyed. He said, I will stain the pride of man and defame their glory. I will, I will share none of my glory. I will shake them off of that proud branch. I'll make them see that tree is nothing. They're nobody. And then... I'll have captivity on the captive. I'll take the devil captive and set them free. It's the book of Isaiah. This is a fact. Chapter number 23, verse 9. The Lord of hosts has purposed it to bring, to stain, to shame, to pierce, to shame the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt into ill repute, into vileness, all the honorable men of the earth. Oh, when God's done that to us and set us free and forgiven us and the captivity is broken, then we have the freedom, we have the power to live the Christian life. We are free. That's what we need. And that's what he says in Psalm 124.7. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the trapper, of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Can you imagine just flapping your wings as you look back and say, I'm free? Oh, I could have been somebody dinner. I, I could have been a meal or the devil, I could have swallowed up myself in sin, but God has set me free with the power of the Holy Ghost. You feel it? 
as you know it, as you understand the bondage and the captivity being over, that's what we need. It's freedom. Our help <laughs> is in the name of the Lord. If not anywhere else, who's got power, who made heaven and earth. Our great God has set us free. And as we get free over and over, is we'll love God and we'll serve this world. And they'll see Christians don't hate people. Oh, we love people. It's, it's we hate sins, but we, but we put our arm around sinners and say, come near. Let me tell you about Jesus and how he set the captives free. I hate what you're doing, brother. It's hurting you and others. It's dishonoring unto God. But let me put my arm around you and to tell you about the gospel and how he set the captives free, starting with me from my own experience. That's how we preach the gospel. That's how we preach it. Is you men who preach, as I leave you here in Nigeria and I'll be going elsewhere, remember to preach the gospel by experience. It's not what you see in your head that matters. It's what the Holy Ghost reveals in your heart. The things I can see in my head, I saw so many things in my head but I couldn't get out of my sins. I couldn't get the power. It's the powers given by the Holy Spirit only. And when he sets the captive free to worship and serve God, that's what you can preach. Things that speak into your soul that bring you peace and deliverance and love, that's what you preach. Things... Things that make your soul conscious of God with joy and with, and, with, and with submission and with utter recognition of his glory and, 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 and in, in, in resigning yourself into his hands, even if, you are, even if you and I are actually melting in tears of sorrow, but they're but they're sorrowing in resignation of his goodness and of his grand glory. Just like if a mother is to lose her child and she resigns herself into the hands of God and says, thy will is best. That's what we preach. Oh, what comes from our heart. Oh, the Lord bless you for Christ's sake. I love you. Amen.